Well, praise the Lord. This here's Pastor Jerry once again bringing you the Word of God. It is always an honor, always a privilege to bring you the Word. I'm just so grateful that you're uh, connecting with us, praise God, whether it be by podcast, Vimeo, Roku, however it may be. We're just excited that you're connecting with us. Today we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 11, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to read... Um, out of the third verse here, um, what's going on is uh, Paul, of course, addressing uh, the church at Corinth. Um, got a few concerns, some, some issues going on, things he's a little concerned about. But he says this in verse 3, uh, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, of course, today I'm going to talk about, um, really talk about some things about the simplicity uh, that you find in Christ, that you find in the Lord, praise God, and not allowing that to be corrupted or tainted. Uh, but let's do a little bit of a word search here on some of this. Uh, like I said, I fear, lest, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve. Now, obviously, he's talking about back in the garden. We see in chapter 3 of Genesis, and we see the whole scenario go down. And he says, uh, you know, how the serpent deceived Eve, all right? So the word deceived, it just means to be seduced wholly, okay, uh, as a whole, okay, seduced wholly, to be beguiled. Uh, it literally means to be attracted with bait or to be manipulated, okay? Uh, to be attracted with bait or to be manipulated. So to be seduced, beguiled, uh, attracted with bait or manipulated. And it says, uh, lest... Pardon me, as, uh, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Now, this is kind of a key word here. Uh, it means trickery, deceptive reasoning. There we go. Uh, it also means hair splitting, okay, uh, which is kind of kind of come up here in a bit. So, in other words, the enemy seduced, okay, um, manipulated Eve through just some, you know, some... Uh, deceptive reasoning through some, uh, you know, hair splitting in a sense, okay? He kind of pulled something aside and then kind of manipulated it and then got her to really, um, he deceived her. You know, she took the bait, hook, line, and sinker, you know? And so, anyway, the point is, is that he's talking to them that he says the same thing could happen to you or me, okay? So he says, uh, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He says, so your minds, in other words, just like it happened to Eve, the same thing can happen to you, so that your mind can be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Now let's define a little bit more of that. The word mind is referring to a perception or disposition or a posture or positioning. Okay, let me explain that here in a minute. Uh, it means also a purpose, so perception, disposition, a purpose, which is referring to a resolve or a decidedness. I thought that was kind of neat, a decidedness. So basically it's talking about a mind. It's not just talking about uh, the mind as a whole. It's talking about really your stand, uh, how you make decisions, um, your, 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 your posture and, and how you're moving forward in God, how you're thinking about things, uh, your mindsets in the sense of, uh, you know, how you decide and make decisions, your purpose, how, what determines what road you're going to go down. Uh, so he says he tries to deceive, they tries to somehow get that off 
And it says uh, that you may be corrupted. Let's look at that, which means everything from being uh, spoiled, defiled, ruined, tainted, polluted, or blemished. And it's referring to something being complicated, which is going to come up here. All right, so that your minds may not be corrupted, tainted, polluted, blemished, right, complicated, right? In other words, you're going to complicate something here that's simple. That's what he says here, that your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that you find in Christ, all right, that's in Christ. The word simplicity means singleness, or in other words, something more focused, okay, singled in on something, singleness. It means that which is unmixed, uh, pardon me, yeah, uh, okay, singleness or sincerity, there it is, or sincerity, uh, which means in the sense of no pretending, um, no, uh, you know, uh, manipulating. In other words, it's all clean, it's all pure, okay, sincere, okay. It also is the word liberality in the sense of all in or fully vested or fully invested, okay. So that's what that word means. Now, the Webster's, and this is why I kind of got a little tongue-tied earlier, the Webster's Dictionary uh, in the 1828 Dictionary of Webster's means singleness. It also means unmixed. I like that, unmixed uncompounded or untainted or not complex or not complicated. Okay, and there's that word again, okay? And so what, what Paul's trying to tell him here is the same way that Eve got deceived and took the bait and then it, it basically, it determined a lot of things, you know, from there on out. I mean, think about the fall of man and what it produced, all right? And all it came was through a deceptive uh, you know, trying to get this deceptive reasoning, uh, you know, in a sense, this, you know, somehow polluting the, the, the thought process and getting, getting her off of just a simple thing that God said, don't eat of this tree. It was that simple, okay? But she got deceived, okay? She got uh, manipulated, was one of those words, manipulated through a deceptive reasoning hair-splitting kind of thing where he kind of said, well, you know, he tried to get her to, to view it a different way, see, is what he tried to do. Now, in most things, there's probably nothing wrong with looking at another perspective or that kind of a thing, but when it comes time to the simplicity that you find in God, the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of, that you find in Christ, the simplicity of, of some of the um, you know, the commands or the utterances of God that, that says, do this, you know, move forward here, do this, don't do that. Just to some of those simple instructions, okay, some of the simple doctrines even. And that's kind of what we might touch on that, you know, as we get into this day. Some of the simple doctrines that are there that how the enemy tries to somehow get you to take the bait and get you to somehow look at it in an off way. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're being deceived and, uh, you know, you're off now off your position or off your uh, posture, so to speak, or what was another word there, off your purpose, resolve, or decidedness. In other words, now all of a sudden your decision-making is off because you're looking at something wrong. And that's pretty key. Uh, and he says, and so Paul's talking, and here he says, the same way that happened to Eve can happen to you, okay? The enemy really don't have any new tricks. He just kind of... You know, he's just good at the ones he does. You know, he's pretty good at deceiving. He's pretty good at manipulating. He's pretty good, in, good at uh, somehow getting you to uh, take the bait, you know, because he, he just, he knows you. You know, he, he, he knows you. He saw, you know, how, you're, how you live your life and how you've grown up and everything. And so sometimes he kind of knows how to manipulate you, and, uh, which is a, a sad thing. But the bottom line is he says in here, don't do that. Don't let yourself be deceived, okay? Get yourself anchored. Get yourself 
uh, you know, settled on some of these things. Praise God. Don't let, don't let the enemy talk you out of something that's yours. Don't let the enemy uh, uh, talk you into doing something that you know uh, you shouldn't do. And that's, you know, it might be kind of basic and simple just in that by itself, but I think as we get into this today, you're going to see uh, why it's so critical in some of these areas. Because it's just amazing how the enemy can talk you into something, and the next thing you know, you're, you're off your stance. You're no longer, uh, you know, moving in a direction that, you know, you wanted to move toward. You know, you were moving in God and going down that road, and, and all of a sudden it just took a few little, de- you know, deceptive uh, statements. And next thing you know, he's got you, he got you hook, line, and sinker, and you're now on some other road you got no business being on. So anyway, uh, so today what I'm going to do is talk about just some basic um, some basic doctrines, I could say. I think I'm just going to use that word. So basic doctrines uh, that we should know as children of God. And I just want to uh, touch on these because there's just some things about our God that you need to have anchored and settled and not let the enemy deceive you and to somehow manipulate you to get your mind, uh, you know, thinking something that other than what you should be thinking. And one of those things is the fact that God is good all the time. That is so simple, so basic, but it is amazing how some people can get off on that. God is good. You know, you get just some basic, simple doctrine settled, you'd be amazed at how much of your life can move forward, how much of your life can be productive and fruitful just by some basic, simple, uh, come on now, simple, basic things that you should uh, have alive and working in your life and in your mind and just that settles some things. So when there's certain question marks out there, you're not all over the map. you got it already settled, you know. When you're seeing something bad, you're not going to look at that and go, well, that must be God. No, you're going to say, no, God is good, you know. So anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but let's take a look at the book of Psalms first. We'll start there today. Uh, Psalms 34, please. Psalms 34, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The simplicity that's in Christ. Hallelujah. We don't want to be knocked off that, praise God. We're deceived from that. Okay, so let's look at uh, some key verses. I'm just going to kind of grab some. Uh, everything I'm going to touch on today, I guarantee I could probably uh, do a whole blown sermon on each part of this. But we're, we're just trying to ba- do some basic things, simple things, just the, the simplicity of just some simple doctrines, okay? God is good is where we're going to start, all right? Verse 8, or pardon me, verse, uh, I'm in the wrong chapter, verse Eight of chapter 34 of Psalms, 34 and 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. All right. Blessed is the man who trusts in him or puts his confidence in him. But it says here, taste and see, which literally means to perceive and experience. Amen. So perceive and experience or taste and see that the Lord is good. God is good. Plain and simple. The word good in itself when it's defined here in the Hebrew, it means good in the widest sense, okay? In other words, good, it, good is good, all right? So good in the widest sense it means bountiful, gracious, and I, I love this, ready to do. In other words, ready to do good, okay, which is going to come up here in a minute. Uh, it means to favor one or to prosper one, to help one, to benefit one. All right, that's what this word good means. Now, let me give you a few other uh, psalms here. Uh, it just says this in Psalms 86 and 5. It says, uh, for you, Lord are good, I love this, and ready to forgive. He's ready to do good. So he's ready to forgive, goes on, uh, and abundant in mercy to all who call on you, all right? So he's ready to forgive and abundant in mercy uh, to all who call on you. Psalms 136, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy 
endures forever. You see that mercy again. Psalms 145 and 9. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Praise God. I love that. Hallelujah. One last one I'll give you out of Psalms. Psalms 119. Here's a good one. Verse 68. It says, You are good. I love this. And do good, praise God. Teach me your statutes or your principles or your ways, he says. But you are good and you do good, praise God. That's the thing you got to get anchored in your heart about God. God is good and he's always ready to do good, all right? That is probably the coolest thing about God, amen, is how good God is. And sometimes it just gets overlooked. It just gets somehow gets tainted. Somehow the enemy deceives us into thinking, you know, a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, gets blamed on God. Amen. They, they try to point and say that's God, and somehow then your, your perspective is off because no longer is it God is good. Now it's like God also does all this, this bad, evil stuff, which he doesn't, all right? We have an enemy, all right? But God is good all the time. Now, God's merciful. That's one of those things it mentions. And he forgives, right? He forgives and he's merciful. Amen. Now, that's a wonderful thing, especially if you're on the side that need it, right? Now, if there's somebody else in need of it, you may be a little bit, you know, hesitant, you know, but, but God is good to all people. God is merciful. God's forgiving, praise God. That is the cool thing about God. Uh, let's go to Romans, back to the New Covenant. In Romans in chapter 10, please. And um, I want to... Uh, Kind of take a little sidestep for just a second and then move on with this. But verse 15, it says that how beautiful are the feet of those who preach. Here we go. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. I mean, this is our, our whole gospel. I mean, really, the word gospel in itself means, you know, good news. You know, it's good news. The gospel is good news. It's not bad news. It's good news, okay, because it's about a good God, right, and the price that was paid for you and me. Uh, you know, a, a good God who is willing to do good on behalf of my, mankind. So that's what the gospel is. But it talks about here uh, those uh, preaching the gospel, right, preaching, uh, teaching, professing, speaking. Uh, that word also, uh, the word preach there also means to publish, proclaim, or to, to herald, okay, which means to give witness to something, uh, literally means to speak out loud to, to others, all right? So to says to preach the gospel of peace. Now, the word peace, which, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily preaching about that today, but the bottom line is it, when you look at it, it's all about a gospel of peace. Everything, the word said Jesus came as the prince of peace, preaching peace to all those who will receive that peace, amen. And, you know, and we can go on and on and on, you know, pre, uh, he brought you know, peace and, 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 you know, and goodwill toward mankind. Amen. And so the, the word peace in itself, uh, the Greek word is uh, arene, okay? The Hebrew word is shalom, okay? And they both mean the same thing, but that means wholeness or completeness. It literally means to set, set at one again. or In other words, to bring things back to its original state or to bring things back into divine order. And that's what it means. So the word, when he's talking about a, a gospel of peace, he's talking about, you know, a God that, you know, this good news of him wanting to restore, wanting to, uh, you know, bring things back into order, bring things back the way it should be. And uh, so when you, when you think about the word peace, 
uh, that's what he's referring to, okay? Bring it, restoring and bringing, making things whole again. Then it goes on also, who bring glad tidings, once again, glad tidings, good news, right? Amen, of good things. I love this, of good things, praise God. So he, he, he's bringing, you know, the good news, the gospel of peace, amen, with glad tidings and good, you know, preaching good things, right? Good things, not bad things, it's good things, praise God. Amen. We're not ignoring the bad things that are out there, but I have found that if you hook up to the good things, you can override a few of those bad things, praise the Lord. Amen. And that's why it's so important to not get off the simplicity of Christ in the fact that God is good, okay? The message itself that we preach is a message of good news, praise God. In fact, the scripture talks about in Romans here about knowing, the, that, knowing that the goodness of God is what leads one to repentance, all right? It's the goodness of God that does that, praise God. In fact, even Isaiah prophesied of a time when God's people, amen, would uh, stream, or says literally says streaming to the goodness of God. And then later on in that same text, he says, and they'll be satisfied, God's people would be satisfied with my goodness, praise God. So that's what uh, the prophet said, all right? Talked about the day that we're in today, praise God. Amen, there's something about the goodness of God, amen. Something about God is good and good all the time. Now, when you hear the word goodness, it has a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit different definition, but it's still talking about good in, 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 uh, as a whole, praise God. It means good in the widest sense. This is the word goodness again. Uh, it means uh, virtue, benefit, benef- uh, benefits, okay, to, uh, uh, in other words, the practicing of good, okay. So uh, it means, uh, in the lexicon, it brings out that it means uh, uprightness of heart and life, generous, benevolent, uh, suited uh, to the course of human affairs. I like that. Salutary, which literally means to promote wholeness. There's that word again. Uh, to contribute to some beneficial purpose, okay, okay, uh, so some beneficial purpose. Now, again, what it goes back to is God is good or the goodness of God is about having a divine, I could say maybe a divine ability to see a need and then having a heart willing to meet that need. That's kind of what goodness is about. You're seeing a need and then you have a heart that's willing to, to meet the need, all right, and to bring wholeness in its place, to restore so anytime you start thinking about God is good, that's what he's talking about. See, it's the goodness of God that, that moves one toward repentance. It's the goodness of God, praise God, that brings satisfaction, that brings the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the life of God into your life. Amen. It's what, it's what overrides some of the negative stuff. It's just knowing that God is good. It's amazing how you know, it settles a few things. All right? All right. Uh, let's look at something while we're here. Let's look at Acts 10. All right. Let's back up here. Acts 10. And again, we're kind of shifting gears a little bit, but, uh, you know, again, talking about how good God is, all right? Uh, So now let's take a look at the life of Jesus a little bit, okay? So Jesus, you know, in ministry, flowing on, you know, that 33 years that he he was here on planet Earth, okay? And then, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, the the man of God here, Peter, actually talking to uh, Cornelius and his family at, at at their house, all right? He's talking about Jesus, and he says this in verse 38 of Acts 10. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, here we go, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, what, the reason I think that's such a cool verse is Jesus makes it real clear, okay, and we see here, uh, the scriptures make it real clear that Jesus did good, 
and the devil is not doing good. Okay, so here we see, uh, you know, both Jesus and the enemy, okay, in the same verse, and it brings some clarity that, you know, God is good, the enemy is bad. Okay, sometimes you just got to settle that, okay? God is good all the time. The devil's bad all the time. He's the one that brings oppression. And uh, Jesus even made it clear. He says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does, all right? He said, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. In other words, I come to bring good. I come to do good. I come to restore. I come to bring life. I came uh, to, uh, you know, bring wholeness, all right? That's the good news. That's, that is the gospel of peace. That is the good news, amen, of glad tidings, of ministering of good things, praise God, where God is good. Jesus is good, amen, doing good things, praise God, bringing healing, bringing wholeness, bringing deliverance, praise God. He is good and good all the time, praise God, hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Now, uh, you know, uh, the enemy uh, is, is a thief. He's a manipulator. He tries to get you off that somehow or another. He tries to, uh, you know, get you to think that, that some bad things, uh, God's the author of it. When God is not the author of evil. All right. In fact, with that said, let's go to uh, uh, James. James 1. Let's go ahead and bring that verse out. I think it'd be a good one here. James 1 and 17, please. All right. Hallelujah. James 1 and 17 says, Every good gift, I love this, settles it right here. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. All right? So, you know, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom... There is no variation or shadow of turning. He's not wavering on this. This is just settled, all right? God's good, and every good thing that happens is because it's from above, all right? got to settle that, all right? Now, the reason I say that is because a lot of people get confused, and they call, you know, like Isaiah said one time, he said, he said there are those who, well, actually he said, woe to those who call good evil and evil good because they, they get it mixed up because uh, you know, really, it's a deception of the enemy to get you off your stand, as we said earlier, to, to somehow corrupt your mind, all right, from what's right, all right, from the simplicity of just the fact that God is good, okay? So something bad happens, and then we start saying, well, God's the author of that. Well, he's not the author of that, because now it's going to confuse things, and it's going to mess some things up. And here in a few seconds, I'm going to tell you why that is so critical, all right? But now listen, um, uh, let's back maybe for a second look at Jesus' life for a second, okay? One time the disciples asked him, he said, they asked, show us the Father, all right? That's, that's what they asked him, okay? I think it was Thomas that actually asked that of Jesus. And he said, show us the Father. Well, Jesus said, you know, haven't you seen me? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All right? He says, he says what you see me doing, you see, you see me, all right, acting out, amen, doing the will of God. Amen. I, you see me. You see the personality. You see the, uh, the character of God. You see who God is and what God is about. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, I don't, I don't ever remember Jesus going around doing anything bad. And, and you know, a lot of times, you, you know, you, it's that simple to me. I mean, Jesus always went around doing good. He always went around bringing healing. He always went around and ministered to people. He always went around trying to do good to bring wholeness in people's lives. 
okay? He raised the dead. He, he, he healed the blind. You know, uh, you know he, he delivered the, uh, the captive, all right? He, was, you know, he, he delivered those that were bound by the enemy. You know, that we go on and on and on of all the things that Jesus did. And remember, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. So that means if, if he, amen, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That means the Father's never changing. And as it says here in James, you know, every good gift that comes down. Now, you've got to settle this. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above, comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He's not wavering on this. Everything good comes from God which means everything bad is not coming from him. And you got to settle that, all right? It's a simple doctrine, all right? But you got to settle it, all right? Otherwise, you're going to start, you know, you're going to start pointing your finger at certain things that happen in your life and somehow or another say, well, you know, God did that to me to whatever, okay? And there's a lot of things like that, a lot of teaching like that that goes on. And the problem is with that, now when you're trying to believe God uh, for some kind of breakthrough, it's hard to believe God when you think God's the one that did that to you. It's hard to get now a breakthrough, which kind of moves me into my next thing, okay? Uh, and that is uh, that, that, you know, nothing is impossible with God. Amen. So if something's going on where the enemy, you know, has somehow slid in there and somehow, you know, done something wrong, evil, you know, to you, your household, your family, your whatever, business, whatever. We can go on and on. Your health, uh, you know, whatever. We can go on and on that the enemy... Somehow, whether he slithered in there somehow and, and got the upper hand somehow or whether just through uh, something you didn't know or you were unaware of something or ignorant of something, it happens, you know, and then now here comes the enemy. The thing is, you have to have it settled that God is good. God's not the author of that mess. Because if somehow or another you think God is the author of that thing that happened to you, that, that, that you know, evil, unclean thing or whatever it is that, that happened to you, if you somehow think that's God, it's hard for you now to walk in faith to believe God for a miracle to get out of it, all right? All right, but let's say the enemy did get in there somehow and, and then caused some kind of a conflict or issue or problem, okay, in your household or whatever, okay? You have to now also be, uh, you know, have the, the simple understanding that nothing is impossible with God. Okay, so with that said, let's look at um, uh, Luke 1. Okay, Luke 1. I think it's a good one to start. This was the word of the Lord to, uh, uh, to Mary, praise God. So Luke 1, please. Just a simple verse, but we might as well look at it and read it. Amen. Luke 1, 37. And this is uh, what was said to Mary, um, and this is why she... Uh, she made the decision to go ahead and go along with the, the virgin birth. Okay, She didn't understand how it was all going to go down. But all she heard was, with God, uh, it says, for, verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And then from there, she, she said, okay, according to your, your word, according to your will, let it be done. I mean, all she heard was, with God, nothing will be impossible. All right? She settled it. Okay, if, uh, you know, nothing's impossible. So I don't know how this is going to go down. She made it clear. She didn't understand how it was all going to go down. She made it clear that she, you know, it, this whole thing is, is new to her, okay, which it, it would have been, all right? Okay, so, you know, she had, she had a right to have, you know, you know, a little bit of a question mark about how this is all going to happen. But as soon as the word came to her that nothing is impossible with God, she said, okay, that's enough, all right? She settled it. 
All right. So you too and me, we have to have it settled, not only that God is good and good all the time, but that nothing's impossible with God. All right. In fact, in the same book, in Luke 18, in verse 27, it said, Jesus himself said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. The things which are impossible with men, in other words, what may be totally impossible for you as a human being to, to change that, to turn that, to do whatever, he said, nothing's impossible with God. All right. So, you know, we, you know, there might be times we look at something. In fact, this is, let me give you a definition. Uh, you know, I know sometimes we get talking about, you know, possibilities and impossibilities. And uh, we've talked about this in many different services. Uh, but the word impossible, when you look it up just in a concordance, one of the definitions of the word impossible is that which is not seen as possible or not thought as obtainable. Okay, so a lot of times things are impossible just because of how you're seeing it or how you're thinking it. And that's, that's pretty key. So even, you know, as he says, even, even if it's impossible with man or somehow man thinks it's impossible, sees it as impossible, nothing's impossible with God. You know, anytime I think about these kind of things, and maybe it's a little bit of a sidestep, but I always, I always think about stuff like um, when the four-minute mile got broke. Okay, uh, it was, I believe it was the gentleman's name was Roger Bannister, and I believe it was back in 1954, I believe. Uh, I, I might have that date wrong, but I think that's what it was. And uh, the word, I mean, uh, probably the, the word out there for the, you know, the, the racing world or the, you know, the track world, I could say, track and field, uh, they said that it was impossible for a human being to break a four-minute mile, that no human being could withstand uh, the the uh, the punishment they put their body through to break a four minute mile. That's that's what they they said. So to them, that was impossible. That was how they saw it. That's how they thought it. Okay. Well, then all of a sudden, Roger Bannister breaks a four minute mile. So and you can't no longer think it's it's not obtainable. You can no longer see it as not possible because they all saw it and they all now they all know it now. Do you know that within the next 12 months, I believe they said it was 34 other individuals broke the four-minute mile? Well, the reason being is no longer people are no longer seeing it as not possible, and they're no longer thinking it as not obtainable. They already know it's obtainable. They already know it's possible, and that's all it took, a change of mind, a change of perception. Hang on now. A change of perception, and all of a sudden, they realize they can do something or realize something can be done. Now, it's the same thing sometimes in the things of God. In fact, in Mark's account, uh, Jesus talking, uh, he said this in, in Mark 9 and 23, he's actually talking to a father who brought his son. Uh, he had, really was having seizures, okay, epileptic seizures, I believe is what it was. And, and he would uh, many times would go into seizures and he'd, he'd fall into the fire or fall into the water or whatever and, you know, endanger his life. And the point is, he brought him to be healed, and uh, the disciples, uh, you know, ministered to him and never got no breakthroughs. And then uh, Jesus shows up on the scene, and all of a sudden the father's now talking to him about, you know, if you can do anything, you know, heal my boy. Well, you know, that wasn't the problem, okay, was whether Jesus could or couldn't. And uh, uh, what Jesus said to him was, you know, in verse uh, 23, he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If I can get you to hook up and to see it that it can be done, if I can get you to think it can be done, if I can get you to connect with me, 
with your faith, with your confidence, if you can, uh, you know, if you can just connect and trust in me right now that it can be done, I'm telling you it can be done, and if you'll believe it, it'll be done. I got to get your agreement. I got to get you to hook up. I got to get you to believe it. Amen. And, of course, what happened? The father said, uh, you know, he realized and recognized that he was hanging some things up here. Now, Jesus wasn't upset with him. Jesus wasn't mad with him. Jesus just, you know, you know, God's good, right? So I want you to get your breakthrough. I want you to get your miracle. I don't want you to leave here, Dad, without your boy being made whole. I want your boy well. I want your boy whole. I want your boy healed. All right? So in order for that to happen, uh, we have something that's hanging it up. So right now, okay, even though I know it can be done, you don't know that. You still mentally are thinking maybe due to, you know, maybe due to, you know, previous things. Like, for instance, the disciples prayed for him earlier and didn't get the results. Well, okay, they too had some problems, see. They too got hung up on this uh, not believing it because I think they got a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit taken back by uh, this young boy going into seizures. I think it kind of, it might have freaked him out a little bit. I don't know. That's just kind of my thought. Um, but I believe that's what happened. In fact, they got a little bit of a rebuke uh, also for this thing. Uh, but Jesus said, listen, if I can get you to hook up, get you to believe, if I can get you to think like I'm thinking, if I can get you on the right perspective here, in a sense, if I can get your mind where it needs to be, if I can get you to see it, amen, I guarantee you we can get this thing done. You can take your boy home well and whole, praise God. And, of course, the dad said, help my unbelief. Amen. And so then Jesus ministered to him. The boy's made whole. He gets delivered. Praise God. Dad gets to go home with a son who's now well and whole. Praise the Lord. And all it was, you know, get yourself connected. You also got to believe that nothing is impossible with God. And nothing is impossible with those who believe it. If we can get you to hook up to it, amen, we can get you a breakthrough. We can get you a miracle. Praise God. So not only is God good, Nothing is impossible for God. So even if somehow or another the enemy has slid in there and created some kind of havoc or some kind of chaos, I, I want you to know if you keep just the basic simple doctrine of the fact that nothing is impossible with God and settle it, I guarantee you you're on your way for a breakthrough. You're on your way for a miracle, praise God. Oh, hallelujah, praise God. Hallelujah. Another reference uh, would be a good way to throw in here would be Jeremiah 32. And in verse 17, we got Jeremiah praying to the Lord, and he said this in the beginning of his prayer. He said, all, all Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched, outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Now, this is what Jeremiah prayed, okay? Now, I think it's a pretty good prayer. I think it's a pretty good statement, right? Think about this. You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power an outstretched arm. In other words, I understand who you are. You're the creator of it all. You've made it all. And he said this, and there is nothing too hard for you. Now, he, that was pretty good, pretty good statement. Okay, it's the right words, all right? But then, uh, you know, he, for the, about the next 10 verses, he, uh, he begins to talk to him about uh, the problem some of these people are giving him, that some of these people are not changing. Some of these people are giving him fits. And so he kind of goes on, he says, you know, God, you're good, you can, you can do it, nothing's too hard for you, but, and then he kind of goes off and he lists a bunch of stuff that, that ain't going right. Well, God then answers him at the end of his prayer, and we see it in verse uh, 27, so just 10 verses later, he says this, Behold, I am the Lord, 
I love this. I am the Lord. He's telling, telling Jeremiah this. I am the Lord. Amen. The God of all flesh. Okay. I love this. Is there anything too hard for me? In other words, you said there was nothing too hard for me. Now I need to know, do you really believe that? That's what he's asking. He asked Jeremiah that. Is there anything too hard for me? In other words, I am the God that you said I am. And I'm also the God of all flesh. All these people and issues that they're giving you, understand, uh, don't see that as not possible. He said, I'm the God of all flesh. I can change, I can, I can do things, I can, uh, you know, I can create this, I can do that, I can, I can turn uh, the, uh, the, the, the hearts of men, I can do things, I can do all kinds of creative things, praise God. Do you believe that? Is there anything too hard for me? Well, of course, I think Jeremiah probably kind of got, you know, had a come to Jesus moment, if I could say it that way. Anyway, you kind of all know what I'm talking about. Amen. And kind of had a wake-up call, praise God, and realized, you know, you can voice certain things, but you got to also believe it, praise God. And that's what Jesus was telling that, that father. you got to believe that this can be done. Amen. Uh, you know, it's obviously, it's, it's totally doable for God to bring healing and wholeness and, and breakthroughs. You have to believe that nothing's impossible. You got to settle that, praise God. So you got to settle God is good, and you got to settle the fact that there's nothing too hard for God, praise God. One more verse on that. Let's do Ephesians 3 and 20, a common verse, a verse that we all love. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. A common verse, a huge verse, a lot of big things, and they're telling how big God is and what God can do. And it says here, he's able to do, and most every, every Christian out there is going to agree with that. Okay, God is able. But then it comes down to this, because really the key of that verse in Ephesians 3 there, uh, verse 20 again, the key to that verse is the fact, he says, but it's going to be according to the power that's at work within you. In other words, what's, what's working in you? What is it that you believe? What's working right now in you? See, I mean, nothing's too hard for God, but see, i got to get you to hook up to it. i got to get you to believe that. Okay, it's a basic, simple thing, all right? Now, if you could just have the basic, simple understanding, God is always good, period, and that nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Settle it, okay? You're on your way now to a breakthrough. You're on your way to a miracle. Now, you might still be wavering in your head a little bit about, you know, what, how is he going to do it, all that kind of stuff, but I'm just telling you, if you will just settle it, nothing's too hard for God, pretty soon what happens is you kind of lay aside all the little question marks. You lay aside all the little doubting and the unbelief, the other thoughts and all that stuff that tries to get in the way and muddy the waters. Instead, what happens, you settle it. See, it's just a basic, simple thing. It's the, the simplicity that's in you find in God, the simplicity you find in Christ, and the simplicity you find in the gospel. It's the simplicity you find in the word of God. Amen. The basic word of God, it's a simple thing. Amen. And if you just, if you just keep yourself anchored to it, Amen. God is always good, and nothing is impossible with God, praise God. Hallelujah. You're on your way to a breakthrough. So as he said there, as Paul said there in Ephesians 3, he says, listen, there's nothing too hard for God. God's able to do all these things. He says, but we've got to get it working in you. So what's working in you today, praise God? Child of God, what's working in you? Amen. Now, one last thing before I let you go today. We're also going to talk this. You have to also understand then, okay, all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. Okay, so let's look at that real quick, and that's uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 1, 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, and again, I know this is verses you know, most of everybody can quote all this, but, but we're going we're gonna to bring it out, all right, 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, 
And verse 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen, which means the word amen means so be it, okay? But you know it says all the promises of God, okay? So let's, let's define that, okay? We've done that many times, but let's look at it. It means an expressed, something spoke, an expressed assurance on which our expectation is to be based. Now, we know this is the Word of God, and in this Word are many promises. You know, we've talked about it many times. You know, they said there's anywhere from seven to 10,000 promises in here, okay? Now, I've never taken the time to count them, but I guarantee there's a lot of promises I stand on every day, and a lot of them that I do know, and I stand on them promises because, praise God, all His promises are yes, amen, not no, not maybe, are yes and amen. I've heard many people say stuff like, well, sometimes God's answer is no or something like that when he's talking about his promises. No, he's, he never says no about his promises. It's always yes and it's always amen. But see, the reason I'm bringing this out today because it fits into all this because uh, God is always good. Nothing's impossible for him. And every promise that he spoke, everything he's expressed that has been recorded for you and me to look at, Everything that's been expressed is yes and amen. God will do it, praise God. But I got to keep you hooked up, praise God. I got to get you believing. I got to keep you on, on board with that. Don't let the enemy deceive your mind. Don't let him somehow manipulate you. <coughs> Excuse me. Don't let him somehow get you off your stance, amen, and start thinking uh, something other than the simplicity that's in God, the simplicity that's in Christ, amen. Don't let him deceive you like he did Eve in the garden. Don't let him talk you out of something, all right? Now, let's look some more about this real quick. Hebrews 8 and 6, a key verse, it says, but now, back, let's, I'll turn to that, Hebrews 8, 6. Hallelujah. I'm just going to kind of read her off my notes here, but let's go ahead and turn to it. Uh, Hebrews 8, 6, and it just says this, but now he, talking about Jesus, he has obtained a more excellent, in, excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator Come on, the man that stands in the middle here between, uh, you know, us and God. He's the mediator of a better covenant, okay? Come on, a better covenant which was established on better promises. There's that word promises again, okay? But uh, he uh, says here a better covenant, okay? A better covenant. What's the word covenant? Well, the word covenant means a testament. So you have uh, the Old Testament, New Testament. So what that means is an old covenant, new covenant. It also means a will which sometimes you even see uh, the new covenant be, uh, say, the new uh, the, the will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of your Bibles may say that even. Okay, so you have a, a covenant, a will, a testament. Okay, it also means a contract. The word means contract. Now hang on to that. It means, praise God, a writing containing agreements or promises that have been made. So what you have here, okay, is a testament, a will, but it's a contract. Okay, it's a contract that's been, in a sense, signed in blood, okay? But it is a writing, listen, it is a writing containing agreements and promises that have been made, okay? So there's all kinds of promises, all kinds of agreements that have been made. And so what he needs you to do is believe it, all right? So when you find a promise in there, don't waver on that. In fact, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but uh, the word says this in Psalms 89 and 34. You can maybe just write that down. But it just means, he said this, My covenant I will not break, nor alter a word that has gone forth from my lips. Okay? So God ain't wavering. So back to even what we were reading earlier about God being good, 
you know, everything, he's not wavering. He's not, he's not up and down about this, okay? If he said it, you can bank on it. Okay, like I said, it's an express, the, the word promise means an expressed assurance on which your expectation is to be based, all right? Which means you settle it. Your expectation on be on what he says, not what, not what the enemy's trying to deceive you about or what somebody else said, Okay, what does God say? See, God is good all the time. There's nothing impossible with him, and every promise that he has declared is for you, praise God. And sometimes the enemy tries to, to somehow pollute that and say, well, it's okay for this guy or okay for this person, or, you know, I know it belongs to that person, but not you. Or what maybe happened for them may not happen for you. No, I'm telling you, you got to settle these simple things. The simplicity that's in God, settle it. God is good. There's nothing impossible with him, and every promise he said is for me today. It's yes, and it's amen, praise God. Now, if you kind of look at some things in Hebrews, since we're there, or at least I'm still there, uh, verse, chapter 6, please, and it says this. Just about done here, child of God. Hallelujah. Verse uh, 12, it says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, a lot being said in here, but the bottom line is, He's saying here you can have those promises through faith and patience. In other words, through your believing, like we talked earlier, staying anchored, being confident that what he said he's going to do. So through your faith and then patience, which just the word means consistency or constancy. It means to endure, to stay with it. Amen. All right? If you will just stay with it, you're going to get your promise. So that's why I'm telling you all these things. That just Don't let yourself get deceived by the enemy. Don't let your mind get corrupted by the enemy's uh, you know, deceptive reasoning or manipulating or hair splitting or whatever it is to somehow gets you off the fact God is always good, nothing is impossible for him, and every promise he spoke is something you can bank on. That's for you to have. It's yes and it's amen. Now, you may have to be consistent and stay with it. In fact, verse 15 of that same chapter, chapter 6 of Hebrews, Verse 15, it says, talking about Abraham here, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. In other words, kind of saying the same thing. That word actually has a little bit different twist to it. It means to be long-spirited. But again, it's referring to staying with it. Amen. It refers to staying power. Okay, you stay with it. Amen. Don't waver on this. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. All right? Stay with it. Amen. Keep it settled, all right? One, maybe give you another one here in chapter 10. Maybe this would be my last one for today. Hebrews 10 and down to verse 36, it says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. In other words, if you're doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, you stay with it, don't waver, don't give up, don't quit, don't let the enemy talk you out of it. I guarantee you, you're going to receive your promise. Now again, said all this today, talking about really the simplicity that you find in Christ, the simplicity you find in God, what you, uh, the simplicity you find in the gospel. Amen. Don't let the enemy deceive you and talk you out of this. God is always good. All right, child of God? God is always good. Amen. And nothing is impossible for him. Praise God. And I want you to know that every promise he said, you can bank on. Praise God. 
So don't you let the enemy deceive you and talk you out of it. Praise God. I hope you got something today, child of God. Father, I give you praise and glory for this people today that they had an ear to hear, a heart to receive. Thank you for these principles. Thank you, Lord, for a people anchored to your word, anchored to your promises. Praise God. And anchored to the fact that you are always good. Praise God. And nothing is impossible for you. Praise the Lord. And we give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.